Well, what you want to do tonight? Huh? Can you sit and let me preach at you for a while? Talk to you. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter then, and first John chapter four. Second Corinthians five, first John four, second Corinthians five. I tell you, let's pray before we read. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God this evening and for your Holy Spirit who is our teacher. Open our eyes to see good things from the word. We ask you and agree for the anointing to speak. Uh, give us utterance as the oracles of God and speak through us and move in us and by us all and help us to rise up in a greater understanding of these wonderful and holy things. And we purpose by your grace to not be hearers only, but doers. And we know as we do, we shall be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 21. Then we're going straight to 1 John and 4. He says, for he, talking about God the Father, has made him, talking about the Lord Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus didn't commit sin, but he was made sin. Was he made sin? Need to get this settled now. There's some things you got to have settled in your heart. He didn't just empathize or sympathize with our sin. He literally became sin with our sin. Did he ever commit sin? Did he ever sin? No. But was he made sin? Yes, he was. With Not with his sin, but with our sin. Why was he made sin with our sin? Keep reading. That we might be what? Made the righteousness of God in him, in Christ, in Jesus. Oh, that shouting ground. I said that shouting ground. Oh, if you know, even have an inkling of what that means, it's a cause to just be happy for the rest of your life. But God has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We're talking about the righteousness of God in Christ. Righteousness literally means innocence. It means without fault or without guilt, guiltless and innocent. Has he made us innocent? Hmm? What does it mean to be washed with the blood? Now there's something you need to understand. A big huge difference between Old Testament and New Testament. Under the Old Testament. The people's sins were covered. With the blood of animals. And remembrance of past sin. Was made every year. That has changed. I said, that has changed. Jesus, the ultimate and final and complete sacrifice has been made. He has offered up his own blood. He is the high priest. He's also the sacrifice. And he offered himself. The priest offered the lamb. He offered himself. 
And he brought his own blood into the Holy of Holies, where he has now obtained an eternal redemption for us. Can you say amen? Amen. Is that good news? Now this blood does not cover our sins. This blood remits our sins. This blood takes away. Oh, hallelujah. Sin. So that once washed, there is no more remembrance of past sin. It is really, it is unbelief. It is poor taste to bring up any of your past sins before the Lord. Did you hear me? All it will do is feed sin consciousness in your own life. Breed condemnation and guilt in your soul and mind. And rob you of your faith and confidence. If you haven't repented and your heart's condemning you for sin, you need to repent. You need to admit your sin and ask God to forgive you. If you have repented and you've received your forgiveness, you do not need to mention your sins again. It's not okay to keep bringing them up. We talked last week about sin consciousness. We went back to Genesis and looked about when man sinned, one of the first things that happened is they ran and hid. Isn't that right? And they were afraid. Well, they never were afraid of God before they sinned. And they never tried to run and hide from him before they sinned. And this is what masses of the population of the planet are doing tonight. They're afraid of God. And they're trying to run from God. And they're hiding from God. Why? Because they're conscious of their sin. But is it true that their sin... And your sin and my sin and all the sin of all the world, all generations past, present, and future, has already been laid on Jesus. And he literally took that sin and became sin with that sin and took it away and paid the price and now has put it away. Then there is no sin problem. Did you hear me? There is no sin problem. Jesus has finished The redemptive work. His blood has paid the price. Sin is not a problem. It's people who do not believe. Hmm? People who will not repent and put away sin and receive the righteousness of God and then live righteously. It's not a sin problem. It's a sinner problem. It's not a sin problem. It's an unbelief problem. Disobedience problem. Sin has been taken care of. Let me say it again. Under the new covenant, your sins are not covered. They're washed away. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Glory. Now don't just take my word for it. Study the scriptures. Get in there and look up the words. See what it means. Is it true your sins are washed away? Yes. Then don't bring them up. Amen. Hmm? Now listen to you. I know that there are some forms of ministry that are popular that mix different uh, psychoanalytical procedures and methods with a few verses here and there. And they lay people on couches and they make them delve into their past. Did you hear me? 
And they drag up and drudge up every mistake and every sin that's ever made and try to find faults and find problems. Listen, friend, that is not okay. I said, that is not okay. That will not help you. No. If you've repented. I said, if you've repented. Did God forgive you or not? Did he cleanse you from all unrighteousness or not? Then don't look back. I said, don't look back. You're forgiven. And if anything comes up about that, you just need to pop right up and say, I have been made righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am innocent. I am clean. I've been washed. Hallelujah. End of conversation. End of story. Now, you can play with that other stuff if you want to. I know what I'm talking about. I've seen people. I've had to help some people get straightened out after they've been through this for years. And it was a mess. So full of condemnation, so full of sin consciousness, always rehashing all your past mistakes and everything that everybody else has ever done to you, trying to delve through and sift through and go through all that. Don't do it. It breeds condemnation in you and it breeds unforgiveness toward others. It feeds it. Don't do it. You're forgiven. Forgive everybody else. Amen. And be free. I said be free. Well I need to take a minute here. I was uh, visiting some ministers one time. This must have been 10 years ago. And they had a little boy about 3 years old. And he liked me. And he come a running in. Brother Keith, Brother Keith, want to show me something. I said, okay. So he uh, crawls up towards my chair and wants to show me about this bike accident that he had. He fell down on his bike and he skinned his knee up. And he had a pretty good gash in his knee. But mama had uh, doctored it and put a band, cleaned it up and put a band-aid on. This had been a week or so. But he wants me to see it. So he comes and he lifts up his knee and he wants me to see it. And it was bandaged up. And I said, well, yeah. I said, you know, it's healing, right? And he said, well, he wanted me to see. So he pulls the band-aid off and all the healing that had occurred for the whole week. And then he pulls it and opens it up so I can see how deep it was. (laughs) Just three or four years old. And while he's doing that... I'm thinking, you don't have to show me this. I mean, but while he's doing that, the Lord spoke to me. He said, this is why Christians don't heal up on the inside. I thought, hmm. And I begin to meditate on I begin to see what he's talking about. Why do you have people, Christians, been saved 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and they still are incapacitated, have, you know, not even functioning like they should be in certain areas of life because of things that happened to them in past years. I know some awful things have happened to people. I'm not minimizing that. Something happened to them when they were a child, when they were a teenager, when they're in their twenties. Somebody hurt them. Somebody really hurt them. I understand that. And that's bad. But why would you still not be healed 20 years later? Are you with me? I'm telling what the Lord ministered to me on this. I mean, if I came in here tonight 
And I said, boy, I got, whoo, I got a, a big old sore here on my elbow. I fell down and I busted it open. Look at that. He said, when did that happen? I said, 10 years ago. <laughs> and you'd say, and it's not healed up. Now look how deep it is. Look what a wound it is. What would you think? Something's wrong here. You better go to the doctor. You better get checked. Something ain't right here. You should have healed up. Huh? Nine years and 350 days ago. How many know what I'm talking about? And see, people who are going around carrying wounded souls, wounded hearts, half incapacitated, their relationships with their spouse is not right, and they blame it over what happened to them as a child or a teenager, that's not okay. That's acting like we have a God who cannot heal. I said that's acting like we have a God who cannot heal. We have a God who is well able to heal bodies and insides. Did you hear me? His hand is not short. He's not limited in healing people. I don't care how badly you've been hurt. But here's the problem. People have been hurt. And in the, you know that God heal me, please heal me. Have people pray for them. Have people counsel with them for hours and minister to them and lay hands on them. And maybe they begin to make progress. And then somebody else gets to talking about it. And they say, yeah, let me show you how bad it was. Oh, man. Man, they hurt me so bad. And they reach and they pull it open again to show you how deep it is and how bad it is. And get to crying and get all those feelings come back to the surface again. What did you do? You just undid healing. And what if you do that two or three times a week? Or once every week or two? You're never going to heal. I said you'll never heal. And it's not God's fault. And it's not because a thing that happened to you was so bad that you can't be healed. How many believe God can heal you of anything? I don't care how bad you've been mistreated or how badly you've been hurt. Is God big enough that he can reach inside your soul is he big enough now? Come on. Are all things possible to him that believeth? Can you be so healed and be so strong and be so free that it can be like that never happened to you? Is it possible? If you'll believe. But here's what you got to do now. There's some people in here that need this. I wouldn't be spending so much time on this. Here's what you got to do. Are you listening? What you got to do. Ask the Lord to heal you. In fact, I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask the Lord to heal you, to pour in the oil and wine. Amen. To do in your soul what no man can do, what time couldn't do. Amen. And he will. But then here's your part. From this night forward, do not talk about it. Now, if you do, you're just going to be disobeying the Lord's charge. Do not talk about it. The thing that happened to you, don't talk about it. Say it's gone. I'm free. I'm healed. Somebody want to come talk to you about it? Say, no, I'm healed. Amen. Amen. Yeah, but we need to get in delve and all that. No, we don't. No, I'm healed. Amen. I'm healed. Yeah, but what about what all they did and all the trauma and all that? I'm healed. Period. What about what they did? I've forgiven them. Period. Well, we need to discuss it. No, we don't need to discuss it. 
Because if you keep pulling that wound open, it's never going to heal. And if you will leave that closed and let the Lord work on it, it'll come to pass in the process of time that won't even bother you anymore. You can get to the place where that doesn't even bother you. God can do what man cannot. Are you ready? Close your eyes. Let's all pray this out loud together. Some folk need it particularly. Said out loud, Father God, I believe that nothing is too hard for you. I believe you can heal and make whole on the inside and the outside. And I'm asking you, pour in the oil and the wine and heal me inside and out and make me whole inside and out. I believe that I receive completeness, wholeness, freedom in my insides. And I forgive anybody and everybody that's hurt me and wronged me. I forgive them and I forget it by faith. And I refuse to go back. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. The Lord's ministering to people in here. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. There's some things happening in people here tonight. It's happening right now. You've been living with some stuff for decades. And tonight is the night that that stops. Glory to God. But did you hear the charge now? Are you going to do what you were charged? Refuse. Talk about this. Anymore. All you got to say is, it's gone, I'm healed, they're forgiven. Amen. Change your subject. Talk about the weather, talk about anything else, but not that. Oh, thank you, Lord. Go to 1 John then, please, if you're holding your place there. 1 John, the fourth chapter. The Lord is so good, isn't he? He knows just what we need. He knows how to get things done. There's no future in crying, feeling sorry for yourself. You know that? I don't care what's happened to you. Maybe you've had some awful things happen to you. I mean, I could tell you about some things that happened to me that probably make you cry. (laughs) But I ain't crying. I'm happy tonight. Amen. I'm healed. Glory to God. Yeah, so are you. Can you say I'm healed? healed. It's good to be healed. Don't let this pass you by, friends. Don't sit there and go, well, you don't know, Brother Key. You don't know. I do know some things. I probably know more than you think I do. Do you know how powerful the blood is? Do you know how powerful the healing power of God is? Hmm? That's the question. Hallelujah. 1 John 4 and 17. Our scripture we just read said, God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, and we have been and are. 
And 1 John 4.17 says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Everybody say boldness. Let's just stop right there. Say it again. Boldness. Boldness. Is this connected with righteousness? Boldness. Oh, inseparable. We talked about how that Adam and Eve, when they sinned and they're conscious of their sin, they're aware of their sin, they're guilty, they feel guilty, they're in condemnation. It makes them pull away from God and it makes them fear. And we saw in Luke uh, 5, was it, where Peter, you know, they had that great catch of fish and he stands up, he's heard the best sermon he's ever heard, had the one of the greatest catches of fish that he's probably the best catch of fish he's ever had. One of the best days, maybe the best day he's ever had in his life. And he looks up and says, Lord, you need to go away from me. Leave me. Why would you say such a thing? Sin, because he went on to say, because I am a sinful man. You don't need to be around me. That's why masses of people that should be in this place and churches all over the world tonight are not They think we're better than they are, and they're not good enough to be in here with us. They're sorry rascals. They're sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Any of us could look back and think about our mistakes and think about our failures, but that's why Jesus came, and that's why he was made sin with our sin, so that we could be made innocent. We could be made free. Hallelujah. We could be made right with God. And we have been and are. And when you've been made right, you have confidence. You have boldness to approach to the very holy of holies. You can come right in the very throne room of God. Amen. Bold to get you answered, to get you help in your time of need. Why? Because you know you've been made right. You know you got a right to be there. You got a right to use the name of Jesus. You got a right to be healed. You got a right to have your needs met. Not because of what you've done. Because of what Jesus has done. But you still got a right. Amen. You've been made right and innocent before God. To be able to stand before him like you've never made a mistake. Like you've never committed one sin. You're either clean or you're not. You're either washed or you're not. You're either forgiven or you're not. And you are. Amen. And if you are, you are. Somebody say, I am. Keep reading. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. I want you to say that out loud with me three times. As he is, so are we in this world. That means right now, doesn't it? So let's just say it like that. In this world means in this life. We don't wait till we get to heaven. So that has been preached erroneously. That right now we're just unworthy worms. Just old sinners. One of these days when we get to heaven. God's going to clean us up and make us righteous. If you ain't clean here. You're not going to heaven. Did you hear me? Dying is not going to clean you up. Death is not going to accomplish what redemption didn't. Redemption has accomplished it. It's true now. Can you say amen? Amen. We've been made righteous now. Say righteous now. Righteous now. Righteous now. 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 You know, you have people that uh, in certain beliefs, 
that when they die, then the councils get together to decide if they're going to be a saint or not. I know some people are strong on that. I'm sorry. That's completely unscriptural. We are saints now made righteous by what Jesus has done. No amount of works you could ever do would make you holy enough in the sight of God for him to call you a saint based on what you did. No, what Jesus has done has made us saints without works right here, right now. Can you say amen? Now, if you read Romans carefully, you saw that. Man, Romans is Romans full of it, especially the first several chapters there. Oh, my. Chapters 3 and 4 and 5. I mean, you might want to go back and read that again after thinking about some of these things. Read chapter 3 through 10 real carefully. If you want to just get so shouting happy, you'll have to jump up and run around the room or something. <laughs> read it in light of what you're thinking about now. Because all of that is talking about how that the law, keeping the law couldn't make you righteous and no amount of works couldn't make you righteous. But what the law couldn't do and what man couldn't do, Jesus came and did and has made us righteous. And when we receive it by faith, we are now made the very righteousness of God in Christ. Now, here, say it again, as he is. Stop right there. How is he? Huh? Is he righteous? Is he pure? Is he clean? Is he holy? Is he innocent? Is he worthy? Say the rest of the verse then. As he is, so are we. Right now. In this world. Is that true? You realize what you just said? Some folk might say, well, why do you want to keep talking about that? You're just trying to pump us up. No. You will never be what you ought to be if you don't get this. You will never do in life what you're supposed to do. You will not pray like you're supposed to pray. You'll not do what you're supposed to do. You'll Let me give you some of these symptoms of people who do not know their righteousness in God. People who do not know. That he was made sin with their sin and they've been made righteous with his righteousness. People in this category are afraid. They continually battle with fear. You might say, well, we all do. I don't. I know other people who don't. You might say, well, you're a liar. I am not. I have had feelings of fear and I resist them till they go away. I've had thoughts of fear. And I resist them till they leave. Amen. I don't care if your knees are bumping together and the hair is standing right straight up on the back of your neck and you got goosebumps on both arms, you can in the middle of that you say, I refuse to fear. I refuse to fear. Hmm? Quote the 23rd Psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because you're with me. I refuse to fear. That's not based on what you feel. It's not based on what's happening around you. That's a decision you make on the inside of you. Amen? Amen. Say it out loud. I refuse to fear. fear. Hmm? You just need to talk like this. I'm not afraid that I won't pay my bills. 
I'm not afraid that my body won't be healed. I'm not afraid that I'll die in a car crash or an airplane crash. I'm not afraid. You need to say that when you feel afraid. When these thoughts are bombarding you. Well, you know, I'm not. Some people need to say, I'm not afraid my husband's going to leave me. I'm not afraid my wife's going to leave me. I'm not afraid my kids are not going to love me. I'm not afraid. You particularly need to say these kind of things when these thoughts come to you and these feelings come to you and these emotions grip you. Don't grab a box of Kleenex and sit down in a chair and yield to it. No, I don't know what's wrong. I was like, my kids don't care about me no more. And I don't think that, I don't know what I did wrong. I've been such a sorry husband. I've been such a sorry wife. I've made so many mistakes. I'm not surprised I don't love me anymore. You are listening to a demon. He's whispering and bringing these thoughts to your ear. And you're sitting there and you're listening to it and believing it. And not believing what your family's telling you. Not believing what your friends are telling you. Not believing what God is telling you. You've taken sides and it's the wrong one. Hmm? I don't care how bad you feel. Get up. Wipe your tears away and stand up and be a man of God. Be a woman of God. And say, no. No. I refuse to fear. I will not fear what demons try to do. I will not fear what man tries to do. God's with me. And if he's with me, who can be against me? Hmm? Amen. Amen. Somebody needs to say again, I refuse to fear. People who don't know their righteousness are afraid. People who don't know their righteousness in God are ashamed and guilty. And friend, there's no accident why this is this way. The church has been preached to like sinners for centuries. And half the songs people sing in church is about how unworthy we are. Completely unscriptural. Contradictory to plain scriptures in the New Testament. If you're unworthy, you're not saved. If you've saved, you've been made worthy. You can never work enough to get worthy with what you can do. Hmm? Let me read something to you in Romans 9. Actually, it's Romans 10, excuse me. 9 goes with it, but I won't take the time to read all this. Romans 10. 10 1. He said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Do you know you can be zealous and sincere and be sincerely wrong? Some say, Well, they're sincere. I don't mean you're okay. For they, now get this, verse 3, they being ignorant of what? Of God's righteousness and going about to do what? Establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. See, people think when we stand up and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, they think, well, you're bragging. Who do you think you are? I'm submitting. Did you get this? People who refuse to do this are going, still going about trying to establish their own. Oh, we're so unworthy. I try to live right. I do the best I know, but we all come short. 
But yet they keep trying to be righteous enough to make heaven by what they do. That's an insult to the blood. And it is being rebellious. And people call it being humble, but it's being rebellious. It's being proud. Isn't that something? Amen. <laughs> they think we're the ones being haughty. <laughs> and we're the ones submitting to God's righteousness. What we've done is we've thrown up our hands. Read the next verse. He said, uh, verse 4. Well, let me just read verse 3 again. They being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. To everyone that believes. Hallelujah. I need to keep reading. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. They're trying to be righteous by what they do. Are people in the church still doing some of this? Their whole denominations built on this. But, verse 6, the righteousness which is how? Of faith. Speaks on this wise. Don't say in your heart who shall ascend into heaven to bring Christ down from above. Who will descend into the deep to bring up Christ again from the dead. You're not going to accomplish some great works that's going to make you holy and make you righteous. That you reach up to the highest heights or to the lowest depths. No. How do you get righteous? Huh? Verse 8. How do you get righteous? Yeah, by faith. The word is near to you. You don't have to cross the ocean or climb the highest mountain or give the biggest gift or do the greatest mission works. The word's close to you. It's as close as your mouth and as close as your heart. The word of faith. People wonder why we talk so much about faith. Name our church faith. Faith, faith, faith. Hey, we're going to talk about it even more. The word of faith. It's the only way to be saved. Is that right? Only way to be saved. Faith. Only way to be righteous. Only way to get healed. Only way to get your needs met. We're going to keep on talking about faith. Impossible to please God without faith. It's as close as your mouth, as close as your heart, the word of faith which we preach, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And if you'll believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. How do you get righteous? How do you get righteous? No amount of works will ever make you righteous in the sight of God. But with the heart, you believe unto righteousness. Can you say amen? And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. I think this maybe hasn't been preached enough. Yeah, when you were born again, you're saved. You're made righteous when you're saved. You're made right. You're made clean. You're made holy. You're made pure. You're made worthy. Can you submit to that? Huh? Can you say it even though your head and tradition fight you? Hmm? Even though your past tries to jump up in your face and say, you are not. You're a miserable sinner. You've failed. You say, shut up. Shut up. I'm going to submit to the Bible. I'm going to submit to the righteousness of God, which is by faith. I'm going to admit I can't make myself righteous. 
I can't clean myself up. I can't make myself worthy and holy. But he did. He did. He did what I couldn't do, what the law couldn't do. He did it. And so I'm going to submit to it and just accept it as the free gift by faith. And so I am righteous. It changed your whole life. Just go around and through the day go, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. <laughs> tell your wife, tell your husband, did you know I'm righteous? Yeah. In the middle of the week, huh? Get up in the morning, get ready to go and look back and say, I just want you to remember now I'm righteous. <laughs> well, I'll see you later, Mr. Righteous. <laughs> it helps your faith. It builds faith in you. Because why else? Would you have a right to come boldly into the throne of grace? How else could you do the works that Jesus did? Didn't he say, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also? Greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my father. How in the world are you going to do that? Unless you're righteous. Listen to what people who don't know they're righteous. They feel guilty. They feel shamed. Somebody said, yeah, but you don't know what I did. Yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. Well, I just don't even want to be around them. They know I did that and they know I said that. You have not received, you have not submitted to the righteousness of God. If you're feeling guilty, if you're feeling ashamed, you have not received your cleansing. You have not received and submitted to the righteousness of God. Said out loud, no more fear and no more shame. Did we read in Romans 8 that there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus? Is it a fact? Said no more condemnation. No more guiltiness. No more shame. No more fear. To feel ashamed. You either are in sin and refuse to repent. You won't repent. Or you either have repented but you won't believe God. You won't believe that you're clean. You won't accept his cleansing. You won't receive your righteousness restored. Either one's a bad thing. It is not okay to beat yourself on the head and talk about what a sorry rascal and how bad you failed to prove that you're genuinely sorry. That doesn't please God. No more fear. No more shame. People who don't know they're righteous are always talking about how unworthy they are. I'll just warn you, they'll get mad when they hear you say you're righteous. Who do you think you are? I grew up with you. Happen to know how righteous you are. I've seen your righteousness in action. You say, I ain't talking about my righteousness. What I've done has got nothing to do with it. I gave up trying to make myself righteous. I've admitted I can't do it. And I've stopped trying to be righteous in myself. I've submitted to the righteousness of God in Christ. But I am righteous. There's a brother, some of you might know him, brother, I believe it's Wayne Cochran is his name. And he, uh, a musician and a performer. And he tells the story about how that he, uh, on his bus, used to come back. And do drugs and read the Bible. 
So hungry for God. Just didn't know which end was up. And he lived a rough life. And now finally when he got saved. And well, let me just stop right there. You know people say oh you got to be kidding. Doing drugs and reading the Bible. He got revelation. While he was high. Not because he was high. Because his heart was hungry for God. And he didn't know any better. How many believe God will meet you on a bar stool? God will talk to you. In the roughest and worst of places. Huh? You can just have committed one of the most horrible and tremendous sins. And if you'll humble yourself before God, he'll meet you right there. Right in the middle of the junk and the filth. He'll meet you. If you're sincere. Well, he had made a lot of mistakes and done a lot of junk. But he said that one day after all this, and he's trying to serve God now, he said the Lord, he had an experience. I won't try to go into it. I don't remember it perfectly. But some things that stuck with me, I never forgot. And it's just what this says. He said the Lord said to him in this experience, he said, I'm as pleased with you as I am with myself. He said, I am as pleased with you as I am with myself. Could that be true? How could that be true? Because we have been made righteous with the Lord's own righteousness, which is God's own righteousness. He'd have to be as pleased with us as he is with himself because it's his righteousness. Now, it'll take some mind renewal. Hmm? But you've got to remind yourself whose righteousness you've been made right with. People who don't know they're righteous are always praying, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Forgive me. They're always remembering their past mistakes and asking for forgiveness over and over and over again. Please forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. And they're quick to say that they've, you know, they've sinned no matter if they have or not. Yeah, forgive me. Please forgive me. No, listen. You need to know that you missed it first. You understand that? Something comes up. Well, you've sinned. Have I? If I have, I should know it. Don't just start, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I forget. Don't do that. That's groveling. That's sin conscious. Now, if you have sinned, admit it and repent. People who are, don't know they're righteous are always asking others to pray for them. Would y'all pray for me? <laughs> well, we can pray for each other, but why are you always asking other people to pray for you? It's because you don't have confidence in God hearing your prayers. Well, it's quiet in here, Mo. <laughs> People get in habits, just religious habits. I, bet, I don't know how many people have grabbed my hand going in and out of a church door and say, Brother Keith, every time you pray, pray for me. I ain't going to do it. <laughs> I pray all the time. Why do I need to pray for you all the time? Can't you pray for yourself? We've got some goofy ideas in some of these areas. You won't pray for me? I might pray for you if the situation was right. But it'd be kind of like this. If I needed help and wasn't able to do it, you might come over and, and do my laundry for me. But if I've been healed and healthy and strong as an ox for three months, and I say, would you keep coming and doing my laundry? 
What should you say? Why don't you do it yourself? Yeah, Rob, ain't nothing wrong with you. See, people who are continuously going, would y'all pray? Y'all pray for us. Why? Why won't God hear your prayers? Well, I want you to believe. Well, there are times when it's appropriate for us to pray for each other and times when it's appropriate to agree with each other. But beware of you just going around and seeing how many people you can ask to pray for you. Quit that. Be led. See when it's right. There's a lot of times you don't even need to tell anybody what you're believing for or what you're going through. They got enough to deal with. They don't even need to hear about your stuff. And you need to believe that God hears you and honors your foot. Not you plus everybody else. Just you. He will do things just because you, just you, asked him. He'll do things for you because you, just you, believed him. Amen. If you've been made righteous, you know that. If you know you have. People who don't know they've been made righteous. If they do pray. It's usually in desperation. And it's usually a begging prayer. People who don't know they're righteous are beggars. And you hear it the way they pray. Oh please God. Please. 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 I know we don't deserve it. I know I messed up so bad. But please. If you could find it in your heart some way. Somehow. Just beg. We are to be humble before the Lord, but not beggars. Why would you come like that? Because you're conscious of your sin and your failures and you're acting like you don't even deserve to be in the throne room. You're either washed or you're not. You're either clean or you're not. You either got a right to be there or you don't. If you do, then you step up and you don't talk sin and you don't talk the past. Amen. Amen. So the way some folk pray, but they're just habits. Howl and groan and just so sad all the time. Oh, please, 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 please. Would you go to the president's office like that? How would you have a conversation? Oh, Mr. President, Mr. President. Oh, Mr. President, Mr. President. Oh, you know, people will pray like that for an hour. Won't they? I used to myself. I grew up very Pentecostal. We could use one phrase, oh God. We could pray two hours on that. Oh God. 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 You're supposed to be in the throne room. You're supposed to be coming before the Father to worship Him, to minister to Him, and if you need something, to obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. Do you have a right to be there? Do you have a right to come in before His presence? A right to ask in His name? A right to receive? Then why would you come in there begging all the time? Begging, begging. What if you came in and and you were able to get in the Oval Office? They probably wouldn't let you near the White House acting like that. But if you're able to get in there and you drop down over the desk and just slobber all over his papers and go, Oh, Mr. Bush, Mr. Bush, oh, Mr. Bush, oh, please, Mr. Bush. He'd be saying, What? What? What do you want? What do you want? Oh, please, Mr. Bush, please, Mr. Bush. I've been so unworthy. Does he want to hear all that? No. How unworthy you are? Does God want to hear 
how unworthy you are. He knows more stuff that you've missed it than you do yourself. He knows things you blew it on. You ain't even found out yet you blew it. And in spite of all that, he has made you his own righteousness. Hallelujah. And if you will wear this robe of righteousness by faith, when you come up before the throne of God, God looks at you and he sees his son whom he loves, his daughter whom he loves, the apple of his eye, and he looks down and he sees his own righteousness standing before him. That means you got as much right to be there as the master. Because it's his rightness. I know we haven't thought like this. But we need to. (laughs) Oh boy. People who don't know their righteousness in Christ. And I'm getting ready to commence to start to close. They put up with all manner of destruction and works of the enemy in their life. People who don't know they're righteous. They put up with it. They put up with all manner of works of the devil. Every kind of work of the curse. Every kind of ungodly thing. In their lives. In their home. In their businesses. In their bodies. In their lives. Because they don't know or don't believe they have a right to do anything about it. Did Jesus walk in righteousness on the earth? He's our example. Isn't he? Is there a better example for you to follow than him? Did he grovel and beg before the Father in prayer all the time? Do we have, is that the example of him praying? Of him wallowing in the floor and talking about how unworthy he is all the time? Are we supposed to pray like he did? How did he deal with problems? How did he deal with sickness? How did he deal with demons? How did he deal with problems in life? Hmm? Did he run from them? Did he lay down and say, well, you know, I guess we just, this life, we just are worms in the earth and I guess we just have to put up with this stuff because this is our lot in life. No, he dealt with it. He changed it. Yeah, but Brother Keith, that's Jesus. He's operating as a man. Isn't he? He's our example. You and I are supposed to live like he lived. Walk like he walked. Pray like he prayed. Are we? Is there a better example? 1 John 2, 6 says, He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. We just got through reading here. As he is, so are we in this world. Say it again. As he is, so are we in this world. How did he deal with problems? In authority. With the word. With the anointing. Amen. How do you deal with problems? You don't run from them. You stand up. You look them in the eye. Why? Because you're righteous with God's own righteousness. Is it true you can resist the devil and he has to flee from you? Is that what the scripture said? Then you don't run. You don't yield to fear. You stand up and you say, no, thus far you've come and no farther. I bind you up. I stop you in Jesus' name. I command you to cease and desist. 
Leave me. Leave my children. Leave my house. Take your hand off my finances. I bind you. I shut you down. And expect it to happen. Amen. See, people who don't know they're righteous don't do that. People who sing songs about how unworthy they are cannot do that. They have no confidence to do this. They don't use the name of Jesus with authority against the problems. People who don't know they're righteous have no joy. People who don't know they're righteous have no peace. People who don't know they're righteous do not act boldly on the word. Let me just read this. I wrote this down. Jesus did not come to show us our inferiority. He did not come to show us our failures. Be turning to Romans 8. That's what it says there. Jesus, the law did that. The law showed us how short we came of the glory of God. God's holy, perfect law showed us we did not measure up. Jesus didn't come to do that. Jesus came to show us how a righteous man lives. Didn't he? How a righteous man prays. How a righteous man deals with the devil and deals with sickness and deals with problems in nature. How a righteous man deals with people. Is there a better example for you to follow? Hmm? We need to read this book and read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John and read it and read it and read it until we start acting just like what we read there. Amen? Do we pray just like... I've had people say, well, you're just trying to act just like Jesus. I thought that was the plan. Huh? I thought that was the idea. What does a Christian mean? What does it mean to be a Christian? One like the anointed one. A disciple of his. I mean, if you're not trying to be like him, who are you trying to be like? We're to be imitators of him. We're to pray like him. Rebuke sickness and demons like he did. Can you say amen? Amen. Romans 8. Lord, I like thinking about these things. Do you? I think I'd come preach this to myself if you wouldn't even hear it. Just to to help me out. Romans 8 and verse 29. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he did what? Now we've already told you that's the same word most of the time as the word translated righteousness. Them he made righteous. Whom he justified and made righteous, them he also glorified. You understand in the mind of God, we're already glorified. He sees the end from the beginning. Somebody says, I hope it all works out. Hey, it's already done. In God, if we'll just stay hooked. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he glorified. What shall we then say to these things? Now read it. Don't just read it like you've heard it before. Read it in light of what we've been talking about all night. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who's against us? Did you get this? Who's against us? 
If God's for me, who's against me? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all? Th- if you got a right to be in Jesus, if you got a right to be holy, you got a right to everything. There is nothing that's as substantial as what he's already given us. If he gave you Jesus, he'll give you a new car. Are you kidding? If he gave you Jesus, he'll give you a new house. Are you kidding? Well, I just don't know. You think the Lord would help me pay my bills? If he gave us Jesus, do you understand? (laughs) If he was ever going to withhold anything from you, it would have been Jesus. And he has already given him to us. And if he gave us Jesus, how shall he not with him also freely give us anything else? All things. Keep reading. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who's going to come accuse you? I've seen this clearer right now than I've seen it in some ways. Who's going to come and say that you don't deserve to be there? Who's going to come tell God? That you shouldn't be used like you're being used. You shouldn't be blessed like you're being blessed. Huh? Who's going to come tell him how you've messed up? And lay Because, you know, it says, it is God that justifieth. If anybody to have a right to lay any charges against you, it would be God who is perfect. He has chosen to justify you. Not lay charges against you. He laid all that on Jesus. And if God is not going to lay any charges against you, who else would dare? Huh? Hmm? He goes on to say, who is he that condemns? Who's going to condemn you? Christ died And is risen again. He died with your sins. He's raised having put them away. He's at the right hand of God right now. Ever living to make intercession for you. To see that your righteousness is restored if it needs to be. To plead on your behalf before the very throne of God. Who's going to condemn you? Who? Who's going to come say you're guilty? You're guilty. You don't deserve this. How about yourself? You got a right to come tell the Lord, Yeah, Lord, I know you said you made me righteous, but I know I'm such a miserable failure. I know that I'm an unworthy worm, and I know that I know that. I just know it on the inside. (laughs) Yes, you're being disrespectful and not submitting to the righteousness of God. Verse 35. Who? Or what can separate us from the love of Christ, the anointed one? Can any amount of tribulation or distress or persecutions or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, can anything happen in this life that can separate us from the love of God and what he's done for us in redemption? There is nothing, there is nothing bad enough to do it. As it's written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long, we're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are 
Oh, you need to stand up and say it. Nay, in all these things we're more than conquerors, more than conquerors, more than conquerors through him that loved us. Are we conquerors over the curse? Are we conquerors over the devil, over sin, over sickness, over guilt and shame and fear and poverty in all these things? We are. Was Jesus, as he walked the earth, was he more than a conqueror? Did he walk in victory over every sickness, every devil, every plague, every curse? Yeah. And as he is, so am I. Right now here. In this world. (laughs) Some of you are going to get happy tonight. You're going to get home and get to thinking about this. And it's going to dawn on you even stronger. (laughs) And all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded. Are you? He was. I am too. I'm persuaded that neither death nor life. That's anything that could happen in life. Death, not life, not angels, not principalities, not powers, not things present, nothing to come, not height, not depth. Nor any other creature could ever, ever, ever separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sit out loud. I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. No more fear. No more shame. No more guilt. No more begging. No more running from the devil. No more laying down to problems. I rule and I reign in life in Jesus Christ. For as he is, so am I in this world. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and thank Him and praise Him. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.